0: Welcome to the No Shame on You podcast, where we talk to mental health professionals, educators, and advocates. No Shame on You is a 501c3 organization dedicated to eliminating the stigma associated with mental health conditions and raising awareness. Our goal is for people who need help to seek it, for family members and friends to know how to provide proper support and to save lives. Now, here's your host, No Shame on You's founder and president, Miriam Ament. Welcome to the fourth podcast of No Shame on You, an organization dedicated to eliminating the stigma associated with mental health conditions and raising awareness. My name is Miriam Ament, and I am the founder and president of No Shame on You. Today, we are thrilled to be joined by Los Angeles-based Esther Kostanowitz, who simply put is amazing. She is a prolific writer on topics ranging from grief to Judaism to entertainment, and so much more. She is also a social media consultant, and she is the editorial director of Grok Nation, the site founded by Mayan Bialik, a huge mental health advocate, and that doesn't even begin to describe all that Esther does. Esther and I go way back to when we start together in a scene in the movie Keeping the Faith. Sadly, our scene got cut, but we'll always have the experience on set with Edward Norton, Ben Stiller, Jenna Elfman, and so many more. Hi,
1: Esther. Hi, Miriam. <laughs> so great to be here with you. It's great to be here and also to be reminded of how, how we could have achieved great stardom <laughs> if only they had noticed our, our prodigious talent at that moment.
0: Exactly, exactly. It's, it's you know, a little devastating, but we're, <laughs> but we're here now and we're talking about it. Uh, let me start by asking, what is your background and how did you come to be involved in so many amazing things? So thank you for asking. It's actually, it's, it's a
1: fairly short story and a fairly long story at the same time. So the short story is, I'm a writer. I've always been a writer. I feel like when I was born, I must have been a writer then, and I still am now. So all of the things that I've done in my life have been about helping people communicate in various ways, using their words to be more effective in their communication, or you know, me actually using my words to help people get to that space in their own lives. Um, so you know, I've been working for I've been working for a lot of Jewish nonprofits. Um, I did social media consulting for them before. As they became aware that social media was a that social media was a thing that they needed to be involved in as part of their overall communication strategy, and so I think that there's uh, there's a lot that I've done trying to help people communicate and be supportive of one another, and that's probably the the best overall way to describe it. Um, some of that work has been in the Jewish nonprofit space, and specifically working with younger organizations that are looking at life a little bit differently than the previous larger institutions that preceded them. And they do so using arts and creativity and all these wonderful things um, that sometimes a more established organization has trouble seeing as viable methods uh, for achieving the same goals. So that's all, that's, I've done all that kind of stuff. Um, now working at Grok Nation mostly, I am the editorial director, which means I preside over all of the guest writers who come and bring their stories to our site. Um, I do assignments of stories, and I do some of my own writing there, too. But mostly, I'm helping people communicate their own stories better uh, for our site.
0: Well, thank you. Thank you for explaining your background and all the great things you do. And that's a great segue, talking about Grog Nation, into moving on to a bit more serious of a topic. Uh, In the last week and a half, um, I had mentioned to you before we spoke that there was a huge tragedy in my high school community. A graduate from the 2016 Class uh, died by suicide and the community is overcome with sadness and grief, as most communities are when a tragedy like this happens. Um, You have written several articles about your experiences with grief and your involvement in organizations like the Dinner Party. And I wanted to talk to you about your writings about helping people cope with loss and your experience and how you've done some of that and really helped so many people. Right, so um, I come, come by my grief
1: experience um, because of the loss of my mother almost six years ago. Um, she died after a long illness, so the circumstances are different from somebody, a young person who died by suicide. Um, however, what's imp- what I found important to remember is that all death circumstances are different, and even though the result that that person is not in the world anymore is the same, that the journey for each mourner is different and the circumstances of each death are different, is different. The circumstances of each death are different. So, um, so one of the things that I've tried to focus on is how to anticipate some of the general ways that a mourner might need help and support from a community. So I've written extensively about that. Um, I've also written about Ha- what has helped me and what hasn't helped me. Um, I've understood that there are many stories that come out of the grief process, not all of them positive. Um, for me as a writer, every story is something that I can work with. Um, as the late Nora Ephron said, everything is copy. So like, I always think about that and I'm able to experience those things on two levels and I acknowledge that not everybody is, especially when they're deeply immersed in an immediate grief situation. Um, but I think that there's, you know, there's opportunity to connect with people who will come through for you, even though you never would have expected they would. And unfortunately, there's also the flip side is some of the people who aren't, who you assumed would be there for you may not be. And so being that dependent on the various challenges of each person in
0: dealing with grief while you're dealing with your own grief can be very challenging. Right. Right. And you you would also, so thank you for sharing that. You would also spoke, we had spoken earlier about some of the things that come up with technology after someone passes away that one doesn't necessarily anticipate upon the person passing away, but that come up that can trigger some some grief and some responses. Can you talk about that and some of your writings about that? Sure. So
1: as a social media consultant, I have spent a lot of time uh, on Facebook and Twitter, and just in generally like attached to my computer as so many people do these days. Um, and as I was I was telling you earlier about this one specific example is that a week or two after my mother passed away, um, Gmail added this wonderful new feature, which is really helpful for a lot of people unless you happen to be going through a specific grief situation, um, which is that when it sees you writing to a group of people, it asks you if you'd like to send the same note to somebody else who you'd previously... in. Uh, Included in that group of people, and so in this particular case, I was writing about my mother's obituary to my brothers and to my father, and it asked me if I wanted to add my mother to the conversation. And and as I said, like boy, boy did I ever want to add her to the conversation! And like Lord knows, Google is doing some amazing things. So if they had a way to reach her, you know, I didn't (laughs) want to close that off as a possibility. But you know, until they add like Google Crystal Ball, it's probably like not going to happen. And it just has to be one of those things that. I look at and say, of course they added this feature now. And it could stab you in the heart, um, but it can also in some ways tickle your funny bone. And, and, and so being able to, to transition from one space of like, ouch, that really hurts right. to this is hilarious. And you know, it's it's tragic, but it's also tragicomic right. is something that I'm very blessed to have and do acknowledge that not everybody has, but I hope that they all have moments of that because the sense of humor is so important. And it's such a tether to reality and to community um, in such
0: challenging times. Yes. Well, thank you for sharing that and for explaining how you can make such a sort of tragic situation mm-hmm. a little bit funny, even though it's not hilarious, but sort of make it into a comedy. So that's, yeah. that's wonderful. Um, I
1: also want to say that I, I wrote that piece. Uh, it's called Deleting My Mother for a site called Modern Loss, which is a tremendous uh, resource for people who are going through loss. It's, um, it was primarily created for 20s and 30s who had never experienced loss before and were maybe at a loss literally for trying to understand how it happened and didn't know who to ask. But the reality is what's grown into is like a tremendous repository of all the kinds of reactions to loss. Um, Everything from, like I said, with the technology of it um, to the logistics of like how do you deal with somebody's estate after they're gone? Um, how do you deal with a challenging relationship? I was very lucky to have a wonderful relationship with my mother, but not everybody does. And when there's a loss in a difficult relationship, it sets up a whole different set of problems mm-hmm. and challenges. So um, those are the kinds of
0: things that they cover on the site, and I, I can't recommend it enough. Thank you again. And for our listeners, can you tell us one more time just where uh, the website it's modernloss.com okay thank you just wanted to make sure that was clear because it's an important uh, that sounds like a wonderful resource and I appreciate you showing me and also can you tell us um, a few places where they can find your other writings um, on grief sure so I've written for a bunch of different publications many of them Jewish I've written in Haaretz
1: I've written in um, Modern Loss like I said um, the Jewish Journal in LA and the Jewish Week in New York uh, I've written pieces for them um, I'm actually working on a piece right now about, um, something I did last year for Mother's Day, um, which I don't think I told you about in our earlier no moments together, but, um, what I did last year was I had a remembering our Mother's Day brunch here in my apartment. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, yeah, thank you. It was that's really nice. Really lovely. Um, about half of the people I knew, about half of them I didn't know, but all of them had, had lost their mothers at various points over the last, you know, could have been a year ago. There was one woman there who I think had, had, had lost her mother within three or four months of that date. And there were a couple of women who were older and had lost their mothers 20 years ago. And so we were able to have like a brunch here where everybody brought... Um, brought a dish that reminded them of home and growing up. And we also had a wall of wisdom where we had post-its and people would post like their mother's favorite sayings on the wall. And then we would read through them and talk about them. And so it was a really interesting way to share the memories of our mother's with um, with other women who were in the same situation on Mother's Day um, who maybe didn't have families to get together with. And it was a real opportunity for this one-time support community to meet. Um, and although some of the people I've stayed in touch with in the intervening months, um, most of them I haven't really been in close contact with, but um, I'm doing it again this year. And, oh, wow. Yeah, so that's going to be next Sunday. Um, and... On Mother's Day in my apartment, right? And uh, some of the people who came last year and who can't come this year said that they found it to be like a really incredible space for them, and they wanted to know if it would be okay if they extended the invitation invitation to other women who needed oh. it. So, like, I'm really happy to be to be hosting something like that in my home um, to provide people with a chance to remember our mothers in an environment where it's going to be okay if you cry and it's going to be okay if you need to excuse yourself and be outside for a while and where everything is really understood and safe.
0: That's wonderful. That's so meaningful and powerful. And that's something that people can really, you know, to other relationships that they're mourning. This is really sort of a model almost. Is this through an organization or did you... No, this is something I came up with myself oh, really? last year. Because um, because Esther has nothing else going on. Oh, right,
1: <laughs> right. Well, I've also been involved with an organization called The Dinner Party, right. uh, which does tables of people who have experienced a major loss. Um, and people come to a potluck dinner and bring a piece of themselves and stories of their lost loved ones. And so it's kind of modeled on that idea. Um, the idea of the dinner party is that it's a regular table that meets regularly, um, as regular tables do. <laughs> um, but, but the idea that um, that everybody who has a sh- who, has, who has lost somebody, specific, specifically somebody meaningful um, and close to their lives, um, that those people can can get to a, a place of understanding and support that somebody who hasn't lost somebody can't provide to somebody who has is,
0: has undergone this kind of extreme grief. That's really, really beautiful, and I hope our listeners you know, hear that this, this is something that in all communities can be done with different days, and especially a day like Mother's Day or Father's Day, where there, it's such a trigger for the grief and for the thoughts and everything to be surrounded by a community of people who understand and, and know what you're going through is really something special. Yeah. So thank you for always taking these initiatives that's, and doing amazing things. It's my honor to be able to provide a space like that, and I'm glad people are taking advantage of it. Yeah, that's really that's really amazing. So I wanted to talk a little bit about your work with Grok Nation. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, you're the editorial director for Grok Nation, the site founded by actress Mayim Bialik, and um, among many things, Grok Nation is in, and Mayim are very big into mental health advocacy. So I'd love to hear you talk about what the site is trying to do what, you know, and, and what you, in the future what you're trying to do. Okay, well,
1: um, first of all, Mayim has been very committed to the cause of mental health awareness um, and has been very active with NAMI, um, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Exactly. Um, And uh, so we do link to NAMI a lot in the posts that we put up. So, one of the things that um, Mayim feels very strongly about is mental health advocacy and accuracy of terms in the mental health sphere. So, for instance, uh, there have been a lot of terms that are about specific mental health syndromes or um, conditions that have made their way into the vernacular in a much diluted and inaccurate sense. So you'll see somebody who'll say, oh my God, the traffic was so bad. I totally have PTSD from it. And that's just preposterous. That's right. not what you have. Right. It's a It's a hyperbolic statement about your experience of driving home in traffic, which can be very challenging, right. but it's not really the level of trauma in most cases, Correct. if we're lucky. Right. Um, right? And similarly, you know, somebody will say, oh, I'm so OCD about my books, they all have to be on the shelf. And right. that's not necessarily OCD.
0: Right.
1: So um, these are kind of the kinds of things that we've been talking about in a number of mental health posts on Grok Nation. Um, in almost all of the posts, we link to resources so that people can follow up with more information. We do make every effort to make sure that those resources are credible and credited in some cases. Um, We do link a lot to, to NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, um, we try to link to, uh, primary sources as opposed to, like, a Wikipedia page necessarily. Right. Um, and we really feel very strongly about the specificity of the language, um, and while, of course, as a person who enjoys language and who enjoys the occasional hyperbole, I can't say that I am innocent of having not used all of those, uh, innocent of having, I'm not innocent in this particular <laughs> like case. Brittany. Like Brittany. Like Brittany. I am not that innocent. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, so, um, yeah, so I I think that like I have definitely used those terms, but I do make more of a uh, a concerted effort now not to, because I know the specificity of the language is important when you're talking about people who do have these mental health conditions and who would not enjoy their daily, um, challenges being compared to, the fact that I like to clean my dishes after I use them. Right. Like, that's not the same kind of level of it.
0: Exactly. And
1: to say that it is, in some ways, negates their experience and their challenges, and I
0: wouldn't want to be responsible for that. Right. Well, I we appreciate that, and it's it's really awesome that Crock Nation is... is- Putting that out there and making people aware. What other you you had when we talked earlier? You had mentioned that there are some things coming up in terms of the mental health advocacy.
1: Yes, so um, we do try to pay attention to the calendar and how sometimes there's like a designated, you know, bipolar awareness day and things like that. We did a recent post about 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 bipolar um, that I think has not gone up yet, but will be going up sh- in the weeks ahead. Okay, so look um, for that, everyone. Yes, there's going to be a, p- a post about the difference between anxiety attacks and um, panic attacks, um, wow. with an emphasis on what panic disorder is and how it's not the same thing as an anxiety attack. Um, so things like that, as they come up, uh, Mayim has a, a list of things she'd like to cover in that area, um, because, again... It's important to be aware of what these conditions are and are not, um, right? And that's really the goal. And you know, Maya is is a trained neuroscientist, so a lot of the stuff that she talks about has to originates in the brain, right? Um, and she's been very devoted to the cause of mental mental health awareness um, throughout her uh, career before Grok Nation, even. Um, and she's done a couple of. Uh, um, promotions for NAMI and uh, she was a, an ambassador for them last year and um, she's, she's incredibly devoted to it just personally as well um, and for me to be able to read these posts um, not just um, as a non-neuroscientist which I definitely am. <laughs> Um, if you talk to anybody, say, they won't say Esther Kestanowitz, the neuroscientist. That's never happened. Um, but you know, as, as an editor, I have to read it not just with my own knowledge base, but also with the assumed mantle of the knowledge base of the people who were reaching. Um, many of whom may be teenagers. Many of whom may be struggling with mental health issues themselves. Right. Um, and we know this because they have reached out to us and sent letters about how these posts have been helpful and have made them want to tell their own stories um, and so I think that that's that's all extremely valuable and it's a responsibility that I don't think any of us at Grok Nation take lightly um, but we do feel is
0: an, is an important part of the work that we do. It's really impressive that you're that you and Grok Nation are using your uh, work to to raise awareness. Yeah
1: thank you and one of the I wanted to loop back to the grief concept again because Um, as I mentioned, you know, my mother passed away about, um, about six years ago and Mayim lost her father. Um, um, it was was almost, it was exactly two years like on Passover. Um, and so in the year and also since that year concluded, um, after her father passed away, Mayim did a whole series of posts about grief and was very out there about the grief accompanying her through the year. Which is something I definitely related to, but also as a writer who's written extensively about it, it was interesting for me to see that the way she wrote about her grief and the way I wrote about my grief were totally different. Even though some of the concepts were, I I I felt in my gut and in my heart, um, kind of like a like a knife in some ways. Um, there were definitely moments of overlap in terms of the emotion, but the way it's conveyed and expressed and the way um, she expressed what she needed during those times and what I needed during those times for me were just totally different. And it really underscored the value of individual stories um, and the value of knowing that your grief is your own experience um, and having other people around you who understand that and who are able to see your grief as this kind of almost holy thing that the people who are outside that grief can't really say oh you should just do this and it'll all be better because that's what worked for me because everything is everything is different
0: right and that's and that's crucial for people to know it's critical really for people to know that everyone experiences grief differently and here you are two friends who are both good writers and so uh passionate about what you do and you wrote in such different ways and experiencing so differently so I think that's important for our listeners to know that it's okay to feel differently than your friend or than someone else everyone experiences grief differently and that's okay and and I think looking to your writing and mine's writing about about grief and what what that was like for each of you is important for people to see the two very different situations so thank you for bringing awareness to that. Um, I wanted to, oh, talk to you a little bit, uh, coming up. I know Mayim has a big thing coming out next week, which by the time our listeners hear this might even be out already. So let's talk a little bit about that. And I know she touches on some mental health topics in the thing you're about to tell us.
1: Yeah. So, um, Mayim's got a book coming out next week. Um, I guess it's May 9th or 11th, something like that. It's not my book. When it's my book, I'll know exactly what (laughs) day it's coming out, um, and also, if it were my book, I would remember what the subtitle of the book is. But I can tell you that the title of the book is Girling Up. Love it. And it's about growing up female um, and not necessarily being the most popular female in the world or knowing, or, or, and somebody as, as girls often do when they're growing up, uh, feeling very um, inadequate or weird about the way their bodies are changing or the way they're, they're, they're feeling about things in general. Um, and it's a really wonderful uh, approach to growing up and and experiencing adolescence as a girl. And what I said as I finished the book, um, as I finished reading the the copy that I had, um, was that I really wish Mime had been kind of along for the journey in my ear, like saying some of these things to me when I was younger and not really knowing how to communicate about what was going on with me. Um, and she gets nitty gritty about like some of the scientific stuff, um, and, and is is pretty graphic. Um, not in a you know a rated R sense, but like it's a it's a, it's a book about growing older and going through puberty and all the weird crap that that happens to your body when right. that's happening. Um, and it's I think it's going to be an incredibly important book for a lot of the uh, young girls who are becoming women to know that. What they're feeling is is natural, and what they're feeling is um, is weird, is legitimately weird. Right. And like it's not just them and right. to not feel so alone during that entire process. I think will be really important for them, and she's going to be in a couple of different cities doing a couple of signings, and she'll be on a couple of shows. She's going to be on Colbert, which I'm very impo- very excited about. Wow! I'm not going to be on Colbert, but I'm still <laughs> I'm still excited for her being on Colbert. That's really cool. Um, so that's exciting. Um, she's going to do an event here in L.A., a couple in San Francisco, and in New York. Um, so it's a very exciting time to be part of, uh, part of one of her efforts, which is this website. And we will be doing some pieces based on content in the book. Um, she has a, a chapter there on gender and uh, gender fluidity and like the changing, uh, construct of gender, which is a very important topic now, Hi. Hi. um. And so I, we have somebody who's going to be reviewing that chapter. Um, we have an interview with Mime about how she enjoyed writing the book and, like, what kind, what kind of uh, impact the Grok Nation experience had on her when she was writing. Right. Um, and we'll have, you know, a bunch of tales from the road, so to speak, of her, of her being, you know, kind of touring with this book and hearing from people about, about how it's affecting them. And, like that.
0: Fabulous. A lot to look forward to. Yes. And, and uh, it sounds like Mayim's really normalizing not only the mental health conversation, but so many other pertinent conversations that are going on right now and growing up and what it's like to grow up as a female and all that. So thank you, Mayim, for normalizing the conversation. And thank you, Esther, for, again, raising so much awareness about all these important topics. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Well, thank you. you. Well, I wanted to end with, if you, can you give us the Grok Nation website and any other places that we can find all these very critical issues? Thank you. Uh, Thanks for asking about that. So um, Grok Nation
1: is at groknation.com, which is G-R-O-K-N-A-T-I-O-N.com. And in case you're wondering, the word grok comes from a uh, 60s sci-fi novel, um, which is why many people may not know what it means. um, But it means to really analyze a situation and to really drink in an issue until it becomes part of you. So that's kind of our our uh, modus operandi at, um, awesome. at awesome. Grok Nation. That's awesome. Um, and so beyond that, you know, Mayim is writing in a bunch of different places, but she writes a lot. Most of her content is for us um, at Grok Nation. So most, you'll see a lot of posts by her about various things and people that she thinks are interesting. Um, so definitely come and give us a visit. And we're yeah. also on socials also for, you know, Grok Nation on and Facebook and, and Twitter and Instagram. Um, and as for me, like I have uh, a very, a very infrequently updated website, uh, which is esterk.com. You can always contact me through there. Um, and I occasionally do still blog at my old blog, myurbankvetch.com, but uh, not so much anymore. Usually, I try to find places that will pay me to write because that's the <laughs> ideal in the the paid writer game. Right. Um, so I do I do write for Grok Nation from time to time. I did a post about um, about uh, women and girls characters in, in films that are come that are either out or coming out and how it's been a very empowering moment for women in like superhero movies and things like that. So, um, so that's coming up for me on grok nation shortly. I also write for the Jewish uh, journal.com for the Jewish journal, which the site is at Jewishjournal.com. Thank you. Yes. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's, those are kind of the two main hangouts for me right now. Um, but really, I mean, if people are really interested in reading everything I've ever written, you can you can Google me, and <laughs> there will be more reading material than you'd possibly want, and then you'd realize after the first page of results that you didn't really want to read all of that stuff.
0: But uh, wrong, wrong. wrong, wrong. Esther's a, a wonderful writer and has a lot of very, very interesting insights on so many things, so yeah. I disagree, but... <laughs> And fair. Well, I know what you'll be doing after this. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You'll be lost in the Google wormhole. Exactly, yes. exactly. Well, thank you so much for being here. It was such an honor to have you. We really appreciate you taking the time out of your very busy schedule to be here. So thank you.
1: It's my pleasure and honor. And I, I'm very, I'm very proud of you and the work that you're doing. And I hope that it helps a lot of people. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, well, I hope to see you soon.